2: count that
0: that big alongside tanner hendrickson i'm alex ferrario no bk with us today hopefully be back with us tomorrow it is bk and ferrario here on 101 espn and we now head to our brown and crouppen celebrity line to welcome in one of my favorites kylie mcdaniel a baseball insider for espn kylie appreciate the time how are you today buddy
2: Love to be on the Celebrity Line. Thanks for having me.
0: Celebrity Line's always a good one. Let's uh, let's look big picture here, Kylie. Once the GM meeting's wrapped up in Las Vegas, what were your main takeaways around baseball?
2: So it seems like the free agent market hasn't totally uh, unthawed yet. I think a lot of teams, uh, it's similar to last year, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of money and want to upgrade their team. And so I think the players and agents are sort of salivating, waiting to see what those huge deals will be. Last year, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, both Boris clients, had quick early deals uh, for a collective over $500 million with Texas. I think the question is, who comes off the board first? Is there a team like Texas willing to sort of overpay at the top of the market multiple times? Uh, does Aaron Judge go quickly? Uh, is Carlos Correa going to wait until the end, or is Boston aggressively going to keep Sandra Bogarts, or is he going to hit the market? Is Atlanta going to try to keep Dansby Swanson quickly, or let him hit the market? We don't quite know how those pieces are going to position themselves, so I don't think any teams, or I don't think many teams, are ready to pull the trigger just yet. But I think once it gets going, it'll go pretty quickly.
1: Well, some some moves that we've seen, Kylie, have been the relief market. The relief market is off and running a little bit. You've got Rafael Montero, who signed the three-year deal, back with Houston. You've got Robert Suarez, that re-upped with San Diego. Uh, has the relief market been a little bit surprising to you to see the contracts that these guys have been given? And do you think that that's going to be something that's going to continue to be a trend as we go in this off-season?
2: Yeah, typically what will happen is the early deals, tend to be more than the, the experts, I guess, including myself, uh, predict. And then late is when you see a lot of the one-year deals on the guys that don't quite get what they're expecting and go below the market. So it's not surprising that the early deals were higher than projections. Edwin Diaz's deal was almost exactly what I had predict, projected, just because we knew he was the best reliever coming off one of the best relief seasons in recent memory, and Steve Collin really wanted him. So you kind of priced in the markup, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, Montero and um, Uh, Suarez were both like surprising, but also if you told me they were going to be the next two guys off the board, I would have rounded up on my projections. Um, so, So those aren't like shocking. And also I think the other part is the, the big ticket position players are who get the huge money and who the teams are really focused on relievers are the kind of players that winning teams that have good, Uh, don't mind letting them walk because they think they can find the next one and investing multiple years in a reliever, especially if they're over 30 or don't throw really hard, uh, tend to not be very good investments. So they also make sense as the ones that are kind of moving first.
0: Kylie, does a reliever make sense? A high-end reliever make sense for the Cardinals this offseason? We've we've talked a lot about going after pitching and we've brought up looking for the top end of the rotation guy, but it's going to be hard to get into a bidding war for uh, Justin Verlander or Jacob DeGrom. So do you see this team kind of segwaying into a high-end reliever
2: well i think with Helsley and gallegos like they they both seem to give you what you need if you just sort of like think of like the the rubric of like what do most of these successful playoff teams that get deep in the postseason have and you got to have you know a couple good starters but like a lot of depth to go to get through the whole season you got to have a couple sort of ace relievers that can make it through the season ideally some prospects on the come and you can't really have a hole in your lineup with like a couple guys that stand out and the Cardinals kind of have most of those things in place like they're not very far off and i think the resurgent system is giving them that sort of free depth where they don't have to sign a bunch of um, you know, possibly down on their luck older guys to beat the death threat the season. You got young guys coming up. So then the question is how much money do they have? Where do they want to spend it? I don't think there's necessarily a ton of money to spend unless they're just going to really raise the payroll next year. Um, but I also don't see like a glaring hole. So usually what'll happen if a team doesn't have a glaring hole and they got some money to spend is they'll spend it on a reliever on a one or two year deal. And it's just sort of low risk. If, Um, you know, there's various ways to work around it. I don't necessarily see this team spending nine figures on a free agent this year. So, yeah, the easiest thing to do would be one or two years on a pretty good free agent uh, reliever. That, like, makes some sense. But I don't think there's necessarily, like, a huge flaring need here, which I think is sort of the strength of the team. You don't have that one thing you have to get.
1: Well, with that being said, Kylie, is there, like, a free agent that you look at that you say is a uh, someone that you like as a great fit for the St. Louis Cardinals? Because with them not having a whole lot of needs we're kind of with you there, the only thing that we know they're going to add is a catcher. Is there someone that just overall, when you look at the free agent landscape, that you go, he's the perfect Cardinal that they should be targeting this offseason?
2: Yeah, it's it, the catcher market especially is interesting because Gary Sanchez and Wilson Contreras may be the two like name-brand successful catchers that are not the greatest defensive catchers, which is definitely not like the Cardinals' brand of catcher. Those are two of the three biggest uh, projected contracts I have, and I don't think those guys are necessarily fits. Uh, Christian Vasquez is the other guy in that group who is a good defensive catcher. So I think, you know, if you want to go to sort of the top of the market of guys that make sense in the catcher group, Christian Vasquez makes a lot of sense. And then in the relief market, I would just say whichever of that sort of mid tier of guy I'm looking at my list right now. Uh, there's some guys like Matt Moore, Nick Martinez, Chris Martin, that I think are probably like two years, maybe three, you know, seven to 10 million, like that kind of area, uh, I think those guys could make some sense, especially if one of them ends up coming in below that. Kinley Jansen on a one-year deal. I think obviously he's been on a lot of playoff teams. I think he, you can plug and play him late late in the uh, game, and he'll kind of give you what you need. Um, I think those kinds of guys uh, sort of make sense for what they're looking for. But I, you know, I also think like you don't want to add too many. I don't think you're suggesting this, but you don't add too many players, especially like in the infield. I'd be interested to see how that, like, group sort of sorts itself out and, and who fits where and then maybe at the deadline deal with whatever the hole is if there happens to be one.
0: Uh, Kylie, I think the big thing, and again, we're talking with Kylie McDaniel, ESPN uh, Major League Baseball insider here on BK and Ferrario. Kylie, the big thing for me this offseason was getting a, a quality bat to go in there with Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, and I thought it was going to be the shortstops, and it doesn't seem like they're going at that market. It's not going to be Aaron Judge. Do you believe that that quality bat can be from the catcher position if they make a trade for um, the, the the catcher from Oakland, which names is completely passing me right now? Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy, thank you. Or any of the catchers from Toronto.
2: Yeah, Murphy in a trade actually makes a lot of sense because you would say that the weakest spot of the lineup, which I, I think is like good and deep, but maybe uh, doesn't have that that like third superstar behind uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado. Although Tommy time he had obviously had a season uh, of that of that caliber, uh, Ketcher would I think be the sort of lowest hanging fruit. Like I said, there's not that guy that I think fits what the Cardinals are trying to do behind the plate. I think Murphy does, and I think the sort of strength of the organization right now, relative to past years, is there is a lot of depth of like top 100 to 150 kind of prospects, which is exactly what Oakland would be looking for because uh, they also have Shea Langeliers coming up, who uh, they got from Atlanta in the Matt Olson trade, so they kind of want to make way for their next guy now that Olson has, I believe, two years of control left. So that would actually make a lot of sense to, you know, take a, a collection of some of these guys that are, you know, are probably like everyday guys, maybe uh maybe role four or like sort of platoon, back end starters setup guys, like those kinds of young players, especially in the upper minors, is what Oakland is probably looking for, and flip those for a couple years of Sean Murphy. Like that would make a lot of sense and wouldn't add a lot of money to the payroll and sort of maintain that flexibility.
1: Kelly, I, I want to hone in on one of the shortstops on the market. Because I agree with what Alex said earlier that the shortstops probably the Cardinals won't be there, but one of them that I think if they are going to make that signing at a shortstop position, it might be Dansby Swanson. And this is kind of a two-part question for you here. You've got him projected at contract to six years, 150 million dollars. One, would you would you be willing to jump on that if you're the Cardinals? Do you think that's a good deal for the St. Louis Cardinals? And my second question is. Last year when we talked about the shortstop market, we said someone's going to have to kind of fall through the cracks to come to the Cardinals. And ever, the guy that we circle was Trevor Story. Maybe he takes the one-year deal to uh, re-up his market the following year. He ended up not doing that. None of the shortstops really did. Do you think one of these shortstops will do that this year, possibly, if they potentially fall through their cat- cracks, just go with a one-year deal?
2: Yeah, I mean, you could argue Correa did. I think he signed a deal that was set up to be, if I have a terrible year, I get hurt, I have the multi-year um, you know, big money commitment, hundred million, uh, plus from Minnesota, but the plan is hit the market again. Um, so he sort of re up, uh or re- re-upped like he got a contract he then hit the market again I think now he's going to be 250 plus I think Turner's going to be 250 plus I think Bogert is probably not better defensively than the options he have. he's just another good infielder which is kind of what the Cardinals already have and I think he's going to be 150 plus plus. and so I think you're right to sort of zero in on Swanson seems a little more like the Cardinal style of player addresses the exact issue they have which is let's have like a really steady every year defensive uh uh, type that is not going to be 30-40 million a year kind of player. So I think he does fit that I think that price and that, you know, it's in the same area again as the Freddie freeman uh, contract that Atlanta moved moved away from. Different sort of player, I wonder if they now approach it differently. But I think anywhere from like 130 to 175 is probably like his market, obviously 150 right there in the middle. I think most teams like that player at that level and the question is uh, the sort of uh, the peak for baseball players tends to be ages 26 to 28. Obviously a lot of exceptions around that, but that tends to be where it is. Dansby Swanson just had his best season at age 28 and he is a lot of his value comes from speed and defense, which tend to peak earlier than offensive skills. So can he replicate what he did last year? Was last year a little bit of a fluke? Maybe. And is he going to be in the decline and not even be a shortstop at the end of that six year deal? These are all good questions uh, not that any of these guys seem like they are, you know, without risk when you start talking about those nine figure deals. And again, St. Louis is in a spot where like they don't have to add an infielder. If you, you know, there's an argument that like their DH spot is just going to be one of the extra infielders. Uh, and you also have Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker coming. Um, in addition, to obviously having like two MVP candidates at the corner. So like, I would say I probably wouldn't do it because I don't think they need a player so bad that they then want to get into a nine figure commitment. But if you're going to, I think Swanson is, uh, you know, one of the best bets in that area. Cause he's going to come in at the bottom of that group. And with the sort of leadership positional, uh, all those sorts of things he brings to the table that some of the other guys don't, I think is sort of the best bet to be a solid everyday guy for the entire length of the contract and you avoid having that big sink. Uh,
0: Kylie, a couple more questions with Kylie McDaniel of ESPN MLB Insider with us. Uh, We've talked a lot about the lefty bat and that need for the Cardinals. How impactful do you think the the shift ban is going to be on those lefty bats this offseason?
2: I tweeted about that last week uh, after I was hearing some of the same stuff that my colleague Buster only was. Uh, I was surprised to see, as an example of this, that Jock Peterson got the qualifying offer from the Giants. He had been what looked like a good everyday player and then had two straight years of looking like a platoon guy, reserve that can't really play defense, almost like a pinch hitter, like playoff type guy. And then last year was really good, but he's also like still below average defensively and has past those peak years. So you're like, eh, even if that was real, how long is he going to keep this up? And I had him projected for, I think it was like two times 12, like, you know, uh, 12, 12 million a year as like a low end everyday guy. And you hope that he can do it for two more years. And then he gets offered the qualifying offer at almost 20 million for one year. And then I was told, yeah, he has three year offers. Like teams are showing interest at that level. (laughs) And I'm like, Really, and then they said the same thing to me. They said the Buster, which is because of the shift. This applies to Anthony Rizzo and these other guys that are somewhat one-dimensional as bat-only type guys. They now will hit for more average. Their hip goes up. All the underlying, you know, strikeouts and walks may look similar, but they're just going to have better results. And so now all the left-handed hitters is like a rising tide. Teams are willing to go longer on them and and sort of find a role for them. So I think that's happening and so this is probably not the best year to be hitting the market thing we need a left-handed bat because the price just went up on all of them
0: kylie final one i wanted to ask you is about the starting pitching market i kind of mentioned earlier about finding that top end of the rotation pitcher which is something that a lot of people have said the cardinals are looking for i don't think it's going to be via free agency we've now heard that shane bieber is not going to be traded what are you hearing with tyler glass now in the tampa bay rays
2: yeah, that's an interesting one just because Tampa is like such a outlier in how they approach young players, which is uh, if you are not a difference maker and you're in arbitration, we're looking to trade you. And Glass now seems to have been a bit of an exception to that, that they're sort of guaranteeing him big money at the end of arbitration. And you kind of wonder, are they going to approach him the same way they approach Blake Snell? Or is it like once we get toward the end of our control over you at a reasonable price and the free agent market is coming and you're going to get paid 20 million plus and we don't think you're that guy because they think almost nobody is that guy for like the kind of (laughs) players they're trying to get Are they then just available for whichever team wants to put together a three to four player package, which obviously St. Louis is in a position to maybe be at the front of that list because they have the most ammunition to make that kind of trade. So while I haven't heard anything specifically about they're looking to move this guy, uh, Tampa Bay actually will be very active because tomorrow they have to submit their 40 man roster and they have way too many guys that need to be added and not enough room. So they're probably going to make like three or four trades in the next 24 hours. I don't think it's Tyler glass, now is going to be one of them, but they are one of the teams that at the GM meetings, when I'm asking around, what are they, you know, what's going on out there? Uh, Tampa's making a bunch of calls, trying to figure out where everybody stands on all their players is like the one thing that everybody said. So they're going to be so active that I would imagine in the next, you know, 12 months of them doing something with him makes a lot of sense. I wonder if they want to wait until he can put together like a good 10, 12 start period, and then have that uh, sort of crescendo in his value before it then drops because he's about to hit, free agency if that's how this plays out instead of doing it this offseason when he's only had six innings uh post TJ. Yeah,
0: that makes the most sense. He's Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Major League Baseball Insider. Follow him on Twitter at Kylie M C D. Always appreciate the time, buddy. Thank you so much, and I'm sure we'll talk with you again as the hot stove continues to get hotter.
2: Yep. Thanks for having me.